Good morning, Bay City Church. Always an honor, and I'll say it every time that I get to stand up here and share with you what I feel God is saying to us as a people and the direction He is taking us in. And my first question is, what time is it? If you, if you happen to look at your watch and wanted to give me that it was um, 10.50, that means you just need to catch up on the podcast from last week. What time is it? God's appointed time. God's appointed time. Sheldon brought an incredibly apostolic directional word last week that is really beginning to shape us as a people and where we're going and how we're going to get there. God, we know, does not work according to our time here on earth. He works according to his timeline. And there are different events on his timeline that he makes sure comes to pass. So my question is, well, how do we know we are in God's appointed time? What are the signs? The sign for me is the level of evil that is being exposed in the world. This is not new. It's not like, oh, it's got so much worse. It's just coming to the fore. You are beginning to see it for what it is. You just have to merely glance at the news headlines this very week to see 21 people killed in a shooting in a school in Texas. That is not normal behavior. To kill children is not normal. That is from the pit of hell. A father poisoned his children here in South Africa and killed them this week. That is not normal. That is a sign that this is God's appointed time, not the enemies. Not the enemies. But for many, I, when I've got, a, I've got quite a group of unsaved friends and just listening to them speak, for many it's an incredibly overwhelming time, especially if you do not have Jesus. If you do not have hope, it is incredibly overwhelming. And there are phrases that I'm beginning to hear from people. I just can't cope. I don't want to know. Ignorance is bliss. I can't even deal with my own world. Why, why, I can't, why should I even look at the rest of the world? I'm exhausted. One of my unsaved friends said to me, I'm exhausted on a soul level. I'm exhausted on a soul level. There has been a weariness of this constant grating. We've been grated for two years. Constant pushing. Constant, constant. But you see, we are not just anybody. We are not just saved. We are not just part of the kingdom. We are the ecclesia, the called out ones, which means that if this is God's appointed time, we have a very significant part to play. You see, much like the sons of Issachar who knew the signs of the times and what Israel ought to do is much of what the Ecclesia is today. The Ecclesia is arising around the world. You just have to open up social media and you will start to see the church beginning to speak out against things that are happening far more than ever before. Last week, Sheldon made reference to um, Joshua and Caleb and the crossing of the Jordan and the, and the fall of Jericho. And I have been reading a book by um, Francine Rivers um, where she does, it's called Lineage of Grace. And one of the stories is about Rahab, who was very integral in the, in the, in the fall of Jericho and what happened there. And I felt God say, 
just have a little bit, have a closer look at Rahab. Because Rahab in the Christian world, we always go, oh, yeah, she was the prostitute and, you know, she hid the spies. That's about where it ends. There's so much more to Rahab and what God did through her. But what struck me about Rahab is that she was a Canaanite. And the religion of the Canaanites at the time, they had about, they're estimating about 234 deities that they would, their gods that they would serve. But the main ones were Baal and El. Baal worship is the basis of satanic Luciferian things. It all stems from Baal. So that was her understanding. That's what she was taught. That's what she knew. Yet, if we can turn to Joshua 2, and we're going to read from verses 8 to 11, and I'm reading from the ESV, and it says, Before the men lay down, the spies, she came up to them on the roof, and she said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land, and that the fear of you has fallen upon us, and that all the inhabitants of the land melt away before you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, to Sihon and Og, whom you devoted to destruction. And as soon as we heard it, our hearts melted, and there was no spirit left in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is the God in the heavens above and on the earth below. The other thing that struck me, she had only heard. She had never seen. She had never been taught. She had only heard. Someone's agreeing with me. Yeah, Yeah, the infants are agreeing. She hadn't seen. She hadn't been taught. Yet she believed. The fear of the Lord fell on Rahab. Now, Rahab, despite being a harlot, was actually a very wealthy woman. She was also a woman-headed household. She had no husband, yet she was called by the king. The king knew Rahab, and she would give information to him, and that's why the king approached her and said, you know where the spies are, because Rahab knew exactly what was going on in Jericho. Now, because of her faith, she then made a deal with the spies. That her father and mother, their households, her brother and her sisters, their households were to be saved if she hid them. A lot of people were saved because of Rahab's faith. Sure, this was probably pre-pandemic. I think I spoke about, I explained how in, in Jewish times and in Israel at that time, a household was not just a mom and dad. A household was not just a mom and dad. A household were the servants. Often a household, the businesses would run from there. So there were a lot of people involved in a household. So it wasn't just Rahab and her mom and dad and her brother and sister who were saved. They're estimating quite a large number of people were saved because of Rahab. Now, God rewarded that faith. 
and he had a great plan. Because Rahab birthed Boaz. Boaz married Ruth, who birthed Obed, the grandfather of David, who had an affair with Bathsheba, who birthed Solomon, who continued the seed line down to Mary, who birthed Jesus, our Messiah. So if you're thinking that you've done some bad stuff in your life and you're not entirely sure that God can redeem you, Just saying. The Ecclesia, as the Ecclesia, we've not only heard, we've seen and we've tasted of God's goodness. But where is our faith? And where have we allowed the fear of the Lord to settle on us? To be honest, I don't think the charismatic church currently has an understanding or a revelation of the fear of the Lord. It's not a heavy, but it's a heavy. Because when you are walking in the fear of the Lord, you understand that his plans are so much greater and you bow the knee. You bow your knee and you surrender. Are you living through the filter of fear or are you living through the filter of faith? I'm sure Rahab, she must have had a lot of doubts. I have a lot of doubts and I have Jesus. But you see, I felt God show me with Rahab, she spoke out to the spies what she wanted. She decreed something by faith. She said to the spies, that she wanted to be saved, as well as her family and their household, and they made a covenant together. And what was the sign? She had to have a scarlet cord hang out of her window, which was very representative of the blood of Jesus, that covenant that would save. And I felt, you know, we decree a lot in this church, and for some it's like, why are we doing this again? But there's something about speaking out, backed by faith and the word of God through the finished work of the cross, that things begin to break and things begin to move. I had a, a strange little moment on Thursday, Thursday evening as I, God's, been, God's been training me in decreeing. I get a bit lazy. And things go a bit funny, and then I realize, actually, you've got to actually, you've got to decree. You've got to speak out, because as I speak out, it is written in the books of heaven, on earth as it is in heaven. Once it's written in the books of heaven, it begins to play out here on earth. So if you're speaking curses, well, guess what's going to start playing out? But if you're speaking blessing and backing it up with, with the word of God, backed by faith, things begin to happen. So on Thursday night, we had load shedding. We are Area 8. And we know that ESCOM, they like to, you know, they, I, find, I kind of find they gaslight us a bit because they, like, they put us back on at like 10 past, quarter past 8, and we're so grateful that they didn't, you know, push us till half past 8. You know, it's like being grateful for being kidnapped. It doesn't make sense. Um, so anyway, 10 past 8 came, and we were still sitting in darkness. And I just had this feeling something's gone wrong. Something's gone wrong. 
And I felt almost like the enemy was playing in that area. Because you see, we live under a lot in this country. We have lived under a lot in this country. There's a lot we've had to put up with. Now petrol prices are going up, food prices are through the roof, the government hasn't improved any, and now you know they, we have to switch off our electricity. And the peachy part that I do love about the government is that when our electricity is on, they tell us we must save more electricity. I'm a bit rebellious like that. I make sure I put everything on because <laughs> there. Anyway, I've got to pay for it, but in my mind, I'm being rebellious. I had a feeling that something had gone wrong, and I, I just felt this is where the enemy plays because he is pushing all the time. He pushes us. He pushes us. I don't know if you've noticed, but the psychology of people at the moment in society, everyone is on edge. You'll see it in the driving. Um, I have a, a friend who's a psychologist, and she was telling me that the best way to tell what's going on in society is to, is to watch the roads. Do you know that the number of accidents are, are quadrupled from this time last year? And I'm not talking big like crashes where people are dying, fender benders. Fender benders, because people aren't thinking. They're making quick, silly decisions. You're not thinking things through. Falkenberg, the psychiatric um, hospital, is so inundated that they are releasing people who are not well, but they are on medication just to make room for more people. People are in a desperate state. So therefore, when your load shedding is now being pushed even further than to what you've actually planned for, it really begins to affect a person. Because that night, I hadn't actually charged my phone. I mean, it's crazy. You're running around charging things and downloading and making sure, you know, like the end of the world's going to happen for two hours. But it is kind of like that. And I felt the enemy, and I felt him wanting just to push and just to get people enough on the edge that he can get them to make a decision that's going to cause damage. And I sat in the lounge and I was in the darkness, and I was just like, God, this was wrong. This was just so wrong. Like, surely, surely, Lord, you had a covenant with Abraham, and you, you were going to get rid of Sodom and Gomorrah, but yet you... Abraham said, but if there's 10 people, and I know that in area eight, which is where most of the church people live, there's more than 10 righteous people. So, so surely, surely we can get this together. Like, let's get it together, area eight. There's more than 10 of us. We've got something. So I was now, something was rising in me. I went to the kitchen because I've got a little scullery area, and I stood there and I went, Lord, this was just wrong. It's wrong what's happening. And I stand as a child of God and I say in Jesus' name that this is to be corrected supernaturally and people are not to be pushed to the edge. And I really gave it everything I had. The lights did not come back on. But something was in me and I was like, but I'm, I'm not done. I'm not done. Got into bed because now we realize, okay, the lights aren't coming back on. You may as well just go to bed. And I lay in bed and I thought, hmm, I haven't decreed. So I went to my little decree book, and there's one on no weapon formed against me. Ah, that's a great one. I'm, I'm going to do that. But you know, I, sincerely, I sat there, and with all sincerity of my heart, and with every bit of faith I could muster, I said this decree with everything in me. And as I said, amen, the lights came on. <laughs> now you're thinking, oh, no, I don't think the lights came on because I decreed. I just think it just happened to, to work like that. But I felt God say to me, it's that easy. It's that easy. He's teaching us. 
He's teaching us to understand who we are in this time. It wasn't about the lights coming on. My, what, my concern was for the people. Because I know people are pushed to the limit. I know they've been pushed to the edge. And I know that I can make a difference. I know that I can stand in the gap. Because that is what we are called to do as the Ecclesia. Yeah. Now if we go back to Rahab. <laughs> there she was. And I just thought, imagine this. She's now told her family, the Israelites are coming. They're going to take over Jericho. But it's okay. I've made a deal. You come to my house. We're going to let down the red cord. And it's going to be fine. Okay, they, they trusted her. All her family, plus their households, were now sitting in Rahab's house. So it was a, a very large home she had. And they sat. And they sat. And I can just, if you just think about it, like a brother, her brother. Really, Rahab? Really? The Israelites are coming. Really? Don't see anyone? And then they must have heard. Because let me tell you, it wasn't just um, a thousand Israelites. There was a million Plus, a whole nation of people began to cross the Jordan, which the Lord had banked up the waters yet again. And the way Francine Rivers writes it, she writes it as, we know that Rahab had a window, and that Rahab was looking out, and she saw the mist of the waters backing up. And she heard. Now remember, the Israelites weren't saying a word at that stage. They were just walking. They were just walking. And they began to walk towards Jericho. A million plus people you can hear walking. Now at that stage, I still don't think Rahab was like, this is, this is a done deal. We're totally going to be fine. Because let me tell you, the enemy was probably pretty relentless with her. You've got this so wrong. Hey, they're not going to uphold their end of the bargain. You're going to go down with everybody else. And now you've got your whole family with you. You've put them at risk too. The Israelites arrive. Nothing happens. They just begin to walk around the city. For seven days, they walked around the city. And now with which point, if you can imagine in Rahab's household, things are getting a little bit tense. Things are getting a little bit tense because your biggest critics, your biggest people that will come against what God has promised you are from within. And I'm sure she doubted. I'm sure she doubted. And then on the seventh day, the trumpet sounded. The Israelites lifted up their cry. And the earth began to shake. At which point, I still think Rahab was not convinced. I'm sure she was fearful. And then the spies found her. And I even think in that moment, she must have felt relief and joy, but a lot of uncertainty of what was to come. But because of that, her whole family, their households were saved, and Jesus himself was birthed through her line because of her faith, because of her obedience, from something she had only heard of, she had never even experienced. Yeah. 
You know, I joked with my prayer watch on Friday and I said there were to be two things said at my memorial because we had just been at Neville's memorial, which was beautiful. I'm going to miss, I'm not going to get a message from Neville this week. If I preached, he would always, he'd always send an encouragement. But um, there are two things that will be said at my memorial. These are the things Kathleen always used to say. Listen to the prophets. Listen to the prophets. And the other thing is, what I always say to young moms, this too shall pass. This too shall pass. The season will change. Your children will not be young forever. Okay, sleep will come, I promise. But listen to the prophets. And Sheldon touched on it last week. And you see, the, the, the challenge with the world we live in today, we have access to far too much. Far too much. Our discernment levels in this time have to be so sharp because you even have to discern truth. And lots of prophets these days are now self-appointed, which is very scary. I've listened to the same five prophets. One of them, I've actually listened to her for probably close on eight years now, and the other four I was introduced to about two years ago. I've only listened to them during the season. So the question is, well, how do you tell if they are the real deal? How do you discern? By their fruit. And when they speak, it should hit you so deep in your spirit. It is as if it's something your spirit has always known, but your heart and your mind are only becoming conscious of now. And it should challenge you. It should really challenge you. When a prophet speaks, it should challenge you. If they are just merely echoing your thoughts and feelings, and you use their prophecies on your social media to back up what you say, that's not prophetic. We need to be listening to the prophets who hold the office of a prophet in the season because the stakes are high. You cannot play around anymore. You cannot decide, well, this is how I feel, and then you find someone who says the same thing. Oh, they're also saying the same thing, therefore it's true. No, not at all, not in the season. Sheldon has been saying this a lot. The stakes are high. The stakes are high. What does he mean the stakes are high? There's a heck of a lot to lose in the season. If we are not being obedient, if we are not listening, if we are not surrendering, there is a lot to lose. So what is God doing in this appointed time? He's waking his people up. This is what the last two years have been about, waking us up to the systems of this world, to things that have been pla in place for generations that are there to actually kill people and not help people. Look at our own government. This is not a government for the people. We see that. If the word monkeypox strikes fear in you, you need to come up and be prayed for. There is nothing to fear. There is not another pandemic coming. We are coming out of this because it is God's 
appointed time. The last time I preached, I said we are heading into a move of God like we have never seen before. And people got very excited until you begin to realize if we've never seen it before, how, do we, how will we even know it and how will we even steward it? It feels too big. It is too big. And I believe we're entering a time where miracles and supernatural signs are going to be such an everyday occurrence. It's going to become so normal. I have got my unsaved friends asking me to pray for them. That wasn't happening two years ago. They are being shaken. The world has been shaken, which means we cannot be shaken. We're actually, you can't shake us. Because you know what? It is scary living in this economy. I went to do a grocery shop and I nearly, I nearly actually had an aneurysm. Because I really just bought the basics and handed over a lot of money. But you know what? God keeps saying, you don't belong to this economy. You belong to the kingdom economy. You are in this world and you are not of this world. I will provide your every need according to his riches and glory. Which are not limited, by the way. They're unlimited. So if we believe the stakes are high, and if we believe we have now entered into a sea... Let me reword that. We are in a new era. Within a new era, there are new seasons. We have entered a new era and a season where a move of God is going to happen and miracles are going to break out. And why I'm saying that is because sitting in our very congregation, part of our community, we have got people who are so in desperate need of a now miracle. They don't have five years. They don't even have five months. So do we, as the Bay City Church, are we ready to get up and go, you know what? I'm all in, and by faith, we are going to stand and say we are going to see miracles. Tabo. I did check this with him. I'm not just calling him out. He needs a new kidney. A brand new kidney. One is not forthcoming right now. He does not have five years. This is a now miracle that is needed. Lydia of Anna and Andy has been diagnosed at the age of nine. Was she nine now? She was six when she was diagnosed. She, what is she, eight? She's nearly nine, with quite severe epilepsy, with seizures and everything that goes along with it. This couple have walked through much and are walking through much. She doesn't have five years. Do we, Bay City Church, believe that we're going to see the miracles that we are desperate to see? Bay City Church, do we believe that we are going to see the miracles we need to see in this time? Because what time is it? If it's God's appointed time, He's going to move. And He'll move irrelevant of you, by the way. He needs less than 10 righteous people. And He will move. You know, <laughs> joking with Steve yesterday about the word breakthrough. 
So I was speaking about breakthrough. He was like, you're still speaking about breakthrough. <laughs> yes, I'm still speaking about breakthrough because it's something I grapple with. I grapple with breakthrough. I, I, I struggle, and I've said it from the stage so many times. It's not that charismatic, victorious, one day I'm in the depths of despair, and I've, you know, I've got no money, and then the next day it's just flowing money, and it's just so amazing, and I'm skipping along. I've come to realize that that's not breakthrough. Breakthrough, here's some signs you're in breakthrough. Maybe you're in the breakthrough I'm in at the moment. It is tense. Woo, it's tense. I tell you that I, Sheldon and I are in the midst of a breakthrough, and it is not playing out exactly how I thought. There's some really tough things happening on the one side, and then on the other side, there's some really amazing things beginning starting to happen. And we're kind of in the middle doing this. And I'm like, I'm not feeling like this is breakthrough. I thought I was supposed to be riding a unicorn and eating some cupcakes with some rainbows. I'm not. I've got to watch myself because I, I had a conversation with my dad on the phone this week. We had a long conversation and I said, no, I'm preaching, I'm preaching on Sunday. So he says, he always calls me pumpkin. Pumpkin, um, can I just give you some constructive um, criticism? <laughs> Yes, Dad. <laughs> truth and love, truth and love. I, I love it when you preach. He is one of my biggest fans and one of my greatest encouragers. But when you get too excited, you get very squeaky. <laughs> so I'm trying because I'm about to get really excited and I'm really trying not to be squeaky. But it's so hard. <laughs> breakthrough breakthrough is one of the most stretching times you could possibly ever go through this is what it's looked like I would say I've been on a journey for two years now uh, a spiritual journey that, that God's playing out and this is, this is what it's looked like in the past couple of weeks as I've sensed things are starting to change there are days when I am unstoppable in the spirit. Nothing gets in my way. I decree up and down that lounge. I anoint, I appoint, I claim it, I set the order. I'm amazing. <laughs> the next day, the very next day, I am flat out. It's never going to happen. I didn't hear from God. It's never going to come through. And I face plant, boom, straight into that hole. And usually when I'm in that hole, it's my friend Claire who's like, now remember what God said? And she's <laughs> trying to pull me out the hole. And then the next day, after that day of being so flat, yes, I'm back, baby back baby and I can maybe let that stretch for two days and then I'm, I'm back in the hole oh, yeah, and then clear place plants and then I pull her out that's kind of, that's what community is about community is about pulling each other out a bit that's all it is some days you're strong some days I'm not and that's why we stand together and we believe for what we're believing for because that's really about community we encourage each other we stand together Breakthrough is 
exhausting. It's tiring, because you just want it forever. You just want it to be there. But actually, if you just sit back and you watch God move, there is a peace that comes, and you just let him do it. How many times have you received a prophetic word and you're like, this is amazing, God's going to do it. And then you plan out how he should. I'm, I'm pro. I am a pro. The number of suggestions that I have given to God that I just think are profound. He hasn't done one of them. He hasn't done one of them. Actually, he, I think he just does it on purpose. He does the opposite, just to freak me out. You, you get tested in the season. You get tested. And you know, the thing with the Israelites, and Sheldon pointed it out last week, is that they had to let go of the manna of the past season. And there was a whole generation of people who had only ever known the manna. There are things that this is all we've ever known. is church this way. This is what we do. This is how we do it. Breakthrough, a breakthrough looks like this. Okay. But there are things that I've realized in our own lives, and Sheldon and my life, over 20 years, there are patterns in how we've done things that we actually had to come face up, face up to it. Face the music. We had to face the music and repent. And we had to let go of that. Because that manner will not serve you in the breakthrough in the new season. You see, we're having to learn to do different things in this season. The Israelites, they had to learn to farm. <laughs> Some of them, they'd never farmed. They'd never picked up a spade. But they had been told that they were going to the land of milk and honey, much like the land of unicorns and rainbows, right? But there's things they had to do in order to enjoy the milk and honey that would come. I've been teaching um, kids work in the season because it's all hands on deck. We've got a role. Challenges you to your back teeth, I can tell you that. But I know that God is equipping me by doing that for something that I've got to do in this next season. There are things you have to do now that when that breakthrough comes, you're able to hold it and steward it and not waste it. And this is the year of the 20-year promises being fulfilled. Some of you have had promises of your lives for 20 years. I am one of them. It's been the same promise. And every, every year, I tell you, 10 years ago, I was saying, this is the year. This is it. No. Keep, keep believing. And it's now at this point where the enemy, all he wants you to do is just come into agreement with what he's saying. Because we're there. We're right there. Actually, Claire, I know you're going to say, no, we're not. We're in it. We are in the promised land. I tell you, we, we used to joke, if we hear another prophetic word of, you're on the brink, you're on the edge, you're about to, you're nearly there, I was going to pull my hair out. Because I'm done with that now, we're there. But we are there. If you start to hear, listen to the, what the prophets are saying, they're saying we're there. We're in the promised land. We're in the promised land, but there's things we've got to do. 20-year promises, and now the enemy's at me. Did God really say? Did God really say? If it hasn't been fulfilled now, why would it be full, uh, back then, why would it be fulfilled now? 
All he wants you to do is just go, you're right. I made this all up. I'm, I, I'm done. I'm exhausted on a soul level. I cannot do this anymore. He's like, awesome. You've come into agreement with me, now I can play out what I need to play out. If those words have come out of your mouth, repent. And start speaking out what God is saying. And trust me, it's hard because when you hit those days where you are flat on your face and you face planted, to try and find the strength and the faith in you to, to, to come into agreement with God, that's when you reach for a friend. That's when you reach for your community. And that's when you stand together. Decree with faith. So we're going to do a decree now. We're going to stand and... Yes? Sure. This is Charles, by the way. <laughs> We've known him. He's, he's known by us. He's not, he hasn't just walked in off the street. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Nice to see you all here again. Um, when I was sitting there, <coughs> I felt the Lord saying to me that this church has been through, a lot of you have been through a lot of suffering during this time. And we've been through, my wife and I, we've been through a lonely time where the church has been closed. Our little church has been closed for a long time. And I've really admired a place like Fully's and this church has just gone ahead, just gone ahead through all the suffering. And during the week, the Lord gave me a picture of a, a, um, a, a, a diamond ring, a, an engagement ring. And um, I remember the scripture of Jesus is going to come for his bride. And we are his bride. And uh, I began to realize also that for me it always means church. It means the ecclesia, as you've mm. called it, mm. the, the body of Christ. We, we actually are engaged to Christ's children. We are part of that children. And I've come so in this lonely time to realize the absolute joy and, and, and the power of belonging to the church and a total necessity. And, and I really vi vibed with what you said over there about <laughs> people that are not in a church, that don't know the church, we can really uh, uh, sorrow for them because they are at their wit's end. They don't know where to turn, but we do know where to turn. And we belong. And how do we belong? That's up to us to find out. Ah, oh, seek God. Seek Him. What is it that you've promised me? All, this, all these times, and am I coming into that, and can I do anything about it? The Lord has just said to me, wait, and I've waited and waited and waited, and that's cool, because when, he, when the time comes, he will lift me up, and he will show me what it is. And then, <coughs> I'd just like to read this for you. Um, this has also already gave me. Sorry, I'm very nervous. <laughs> um, consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Amen. Amen. Amen.
Let's stand, the Bride of Christ, the Ecclesia, the called out ones. If you've never done a decree before, with everything in you, with as much faith as you can muster, you say this with everything in you. The scripture that we're doing it out of, I'll just read the scripture, then we'll do the decree together, out of Ephesians 1, 17 and 18, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation, the knowledge of him, the eyes of understanding being enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Okay, let's go. Today we decree, our eyes are open to see what heaven is saying and doing in this important season. We pray that you are filled right now with spiritual wisdom, insight, and understanding. We declare that all spiritual blindness, confusion, deception, and darkness dissipate and that your heart and mind are flooded with light. We prophesy that you have an understanding like the tribe of Issachar to discern the times and seasons. We declare that any ungodly ideologies of this world will not infiltrate or control your beliefs, attitudes, and choices. We break the power of every ungodly sultai and every lie from the enemy that is preventing you from gaining a righteous perspective. We say today that truth, divine revelation, and perception permeate your being and that nothing shall be able to enter your eye gate that is not from God. We place a boundary around your eyes, your ears, and thoughts, and we say today that your eyes are open to see clearly according to the Spirit of the Lord. Amen. 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 Amen.